New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life of excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. Today on our podcast, I'm joined by Pastor Ben, and we continue our conversation on the road. Over the last three months, we've been talking about our worship services here at New Life Lutheran Church, our Saturday night and two Sunday morning worship services. We've explored things like confession and forgiveness, we've explored the sermon, reading scripture out loud, and now we are moving on to prayer, the role that prayer plays in our service and the role that prayer plays in our life. Thanks for listening. Let's get growing. So, Pastor Ben, why don't you just talk to us about what our prayers look like uh, in the in the Sunday morning or Saturday evening, in our case, uh, worship service? Yeah, we really have in the in the Saturday and second service we have two major elements of prayer. We always do the Lord's Prayer, and so sometimes that's independent, sometimes it's connected to our communion experience, so we always have that, which of course is the preeminent prayer that that most people know, and uh, it's really beautiful that even in our culture today that I would say we're post-Christian, or most people have maybe disconnected, or maybe don't attend as much. Even if I walk into like a funeral, and and people haven't been in church in forever, if I start doing the Lord's Prayer, everyone will follow along. And so it, it's still definitely you know, held in high regard, and people still have it memorized and have, have learned it and, and still own it in their lives, and so we still have that. Uh, then we also have prayers that we just share our concerns with God. And so in some Lutheran service styles, they'll just read off the service pre-written, and they're typically... You know, connected with the lesson or connected with whatever they're covering or the theme or the season. But we have a specific section where we just share our, our thoughts, our concerns with our Father, and we just have a conversation with God. In our first service, we also have a third one, which is the prayer of the day, which connects back to the seasons and the scripture reading. And it's a well-written, professionally written prayer that kind of guides us into our worship experience. And so, like I said, some Lutheran churches, they'll have this time where people can just pray from their heart and from their minds, and whatever comes to their mind, they, they pray, and sometimes they're all written. Both have value. Both have value. Uh, it just really comes down to really what people are comfortable with, but we really do value at our church that ability to just kind of speak our hearts and really connect with the Spirit in that way. So we have three in our first service and two typical times in our Saturday and second service Sunday experience. And we want to camp mostly today on the Lord's Prayer, which, I mean, like you mentioned, pretty much everybody in our culture knows, even if uh, they don't go to church or never been to church, almost anybody, if you say, Our Father who art in heaven, people can, can rattle off with probably surprising accuracy 
the, the Lord's Prayer. So let's talk about why we pray the Lord's Prayer every single Sunday. And you mentioned that sometimes uh, some churches value doing these kind of rote prayers, and all of their prayers are that way, pre-planned and pre-written. Um, some churches uh, value a more, well, the fancy term is extemporaneous, right? So this um, off-the-cuff prayers, right? So a little bit more emotive, a little bit more uh, unplanned. And uh, But the Lord's Prayer, even though we tend to value more of the um, not, not rote prayers, we still pray the Lord's Prayer. Um, that is the rope prayer that we pray every single service. So why do we why do we pray that the same way every single week, no matter what? Yeah, as as we kind of talked about before, it's the preeminent prayer. It's the prayer that was taught to the disciples when they asked Jesus, "Teach us how to pray." Now it wasn't that they hadn't prayed before. Obviously, that was a practice of their life, but they saw how how Christ prayed, and they saw how He connected with God, and they viewed it as incredibly more powerful than anyone else they'd ever seen. And so they said. Teach us how to pray. And he taught him this prayer, which I, I believe has a, a lot within it. I don't think it was just that he wanted them to pray this exact prayer over and over and over and over again, but that it is the foundation, it is the preeminent prayer that helps guide us. And so when we have nothing else to say, we can, we can pray the Lord's Prayer. And so we do it every week uh, because it is the premier prayer, but we also do it every week because it it solidifies it in people's minds. And so people memorize it and hold on to it. And like I said, people who don't even go to church often, they still have this prayer memorized because if you go into specifically a Lutheran setting and probably other settings as well, you're going to hear this prayer over and over and over again. And whether you like it or not, you will memorize it and you will have that in your back pocket. And so, you know, we hold it in high regard. It's a great tool. We want to give people, allow them to put it into their Christian you know, tool bag in, in their pocket, and they can hold on to it and use it later. It's the same reason that right now my daughter is almost two years old, and when we pray for our meal, typically in the past, I will just pray from the hearts and, and say whatever's on my heart and mind and thank God for the food. But now that we've had my daughter, we've stopped and we do the common table prayer because we want to give her a tool to feel comfortable praying until she is freed up to pray extemporaneously, to pray from her heart, to pray off the cuff so she can connect with her Heavenly Father. And so we're using it as kind of a platform or a launching pad to get her to move forward. And once my kids are past a certain age, we will start weaning them off of that. They will still have that, but we'll start praying uh, more like we're talking to a friend. But it's a great tool, just like the Lord's Prayer is a great tool to have and to hold and to be able to use especially if you're just starting off on your faith journey or if you're just learning really the power of prayer. It's a great tool to have and use, just like the disciples. Teach us how to pray, and Jesus gave them an amazing tool. They had it memorized. They wrote it down, so we still have it today. But I believe that they also used it as a launching pad for their real heartfelt concerns and conversations with God. Yeah, that's really good. And and I want to kind of address a little bit of that, maybe flesh that out a little bit more. Um, you you quoted the it's a passage in Luke chapter eleven, um, and it's the when the disciples come and say, "Lord, teach us to pray." Uh, then he recites the Lord's prayer, and it's actually in a shorter form than that that we have memorized. Um, the form that we memorize is from Matthew from the Sermon on the Mount. So more than likely, those were 
two different teachings. And one time the disciples came up and asked Jesus how to pray. He responded with a shorter version. And then in the Sermon on the Mount, maybe it was later in his in his teaching career um, in ministry, uh, he was teaching a group of people. And then he just kind of gives them all this like litany of, of different teachings. And then he says, and when you pray, don't pray like the Pharisees who go on and on and on about how great they are in public. Uh, when you pray, do it in silence. And when you pray, say this. And then he, then he gives the Lord's Prayer and with a few more um, elements than the Luke passage. So probably he was teaching this several times throughout his career. We have two times at least recorded where he, he taught this. Um, but there was something you, you know, Ben, you mentioned there's some, they, they recognized something about him, that he had a connection that they didn't have. He recognized, um, and we actually are told uh, earlier in Luke that Jesus would go away and, and pray out in the wilderness. So he had a connection with God that the disciples wanted. They wanted to connect with God the same way. So he gave them gave them the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, and I want to address one thing, and then I have a, a question for you um, to kind of continue our conversation. I, I do want to address the Lord's Prayer as a tool, which you mentioned. Um, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German pastor, theologian, um, he said that in Jesus, all the prayers of all people were brought up and up to God through Jesus. And he, he said that because of Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews chapter 4, where the author of Hebrews says that we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who um, is unacquainted with, with human suffering. He's unacquainted with temptation, but he actually has been tempted and tested and trained and suffered like any one of us have, humans. Um, so he's a high priest who's gone through the human life and has entered into heaven before us. He's our trailblazer. Um, and because he has suffered like we have, we can follow him well. Um, and so when we, we, we pray the Lord's Prayer, almost any prayer that we could possibly pray, we can find in one of the different sections of the Lord's Prayer. Um, I think Martin Luther identifies seven petitions. There are maybe five sections, however you want to break it up. Uh, and, and the same is true in the Psalms, the book of Psalms, which is the prayer book of the Bible. Um, there's 150 of them, but pretty much every Psalm uh, can be, you can find the Lord's Prayer or elements of the Lord's Prayer in any psalm. So the psalms are almost, so when Jesus, you know, gave the Lord's Prayer to his disciples, it was almost as if he was giving the most concise, um, compact prayer that brought up all of our possible prayers and just put it into one prayer that we can memorize. Um, so you mentioned that's, that's the value of it that we memorize it, we have it, and that way we know we know how to um, pray for what we need. We know how to pray uh, for God's kingdom. We know how to pray for when we go through hard times. We, we have these short little snippets that we can go to, and those are fleshed out then. Uh, we can experience them fleshed out as we read the Psalms and learn the Psalms and pray the Psalms. Um, but I want to go back to that connection, and I want to really, really nail down this connection that you talked about. So... What was so compelling about Jesus uh, that the disciples asked him to teach them how to pray? And, and what did he teach in the Lord's Prayer that um, maybe was something they hadn't experienced before? I think what's so interesting about the Lord's Prayer is how he begins. And in, in the Catholic Church, sometimes they will call it the Our Father, right? We're going to pray the Our Father, which right away, as soon as he said that, 
that would be unbelievable to people. I mean, as soon as he referred to to God as dad or daddy or Abba, sometimes you see that in scripture. I mean, that was unbelievable that he had this type of connection with God. And I think that's the same struggle the disciples had in that day that many of us have today. See, oftentimes when I go to a, a wedding or a funeral or really anything that has any Christian orientation or if there's food served, and Pastor Eric can attest to this, and every pastor listening to this can attest to this, that we are called upon to pray. I mean, we're just trying to enjoy the experience, and, and all of a sudden we're, we have to step into pastor mode. Because people's mindset is that you have to pray a certain way or, or, or speak in a certain way or, or be polished enough that God will basically respect your prayer. And so a lot of people will be insecure about praying in public, and I think it's directly connected to this idea that I don't think it's just being concerned about how people perceive them, but also this unintended thought or consequences from how we pray in church and, and how we interact with God and how they even did it in the Old Testament, that they kind of feel like certain people can do it and some people shouldn't. That uh, some people have the proper training or, or speak with certain clarity that they can do it, maybe a priest or something like that. But us everyday people, we don't have, we can't do that. We can't pull it off. And so right away, Jesus is teaching the disciples it says, our, our Father, right? Pray this. Pray that He is your dad. And when you start thinking that way, you begin to engage with God very, very differently. Uh, about a week ago, I talked about uh, this, this way I used to pray, which I think has some value, but it is not the grand scheme uh, benefit that I would like to bring into people's lives. And, and what I used to do is I used to imagine God sitting on his throne, and I would pray. And I think that's how most people pray, whether they realize it or not, that God is the supreme being. He's just waiting to spite me. Uh, how dare I be in his presence? You know, things like that. And, and the more I prayed like that, I did feel the sense of awe with God, but I also felt this natural separation. And this is what Jesus is doing, is he keeps both intact, right? He says, our Father who's in heaven, right? How be your name? So God is still God, but God is now relating to us differently. He's relating to us as a dad. Now, when you take that into context, when you take that into your thought process, how you engage with God is like how you would engage with a loving parent. You know, when my daughter comes up to me, I don't expect her to have a polished statement prepared that she's going to read to me, I expect her to engage with me. And as she gets older, I, I hope that she never feels like there's anything between us that she can't talk to me or that she has to speak a certain way or behave a certain way. I want her to bring her authentic self to me. And see, when we say our father right away, we're saying, hey, this is my dad. He loves me. He cares for me is that we don't see him on a throne. I guess we still see him on a throne, but what we see is he pulls us out of the dirt. He lifts us off our faces, off that, that, that posture of terror, and he puts us in his lap. How's your day? What's going on in your life? How have you failed? How can I help you? How can I you know, make you uh, be a better person? Things like that. And that's our relationship with God. And that's why the Lord's Prayer, just right away, it's so powerful, the beginning. And everything else after that is, of course, really significant. And like Pastor Eric said, it encapsulates all the struggles in life. But I think that beginning was 
just the catalyst for change in the disciples' lives, should be the catalyst for change in our lives, that we begin to see God like a father. And if we see God like a father, that means that every conversation that we have with him, we don't have to worry about wearing nice enough clothes, talking a nice enough way. We just bring our authentic authentic selves to him, and then we connect with our father. And then it's a conversation. It's a conversation that we can have all throughout the day. God, I just, I'm struggling with this work project. I can't think through it. Help me. And we just, you just continue that conversation like you would if he's sitting there. And I've heard another good practice too in correlation to this is some people will, they'll sit in a room and they're going to pray. Maybe they have an intentional time they're praying and it's not just throughout the day, even though they probably do that as well. And they'll set it just an empty chair there and they'll have a dialogue with an empty chair. And that chair is, you know, supposed to, give them a picture that Jesus is sitting there, just sitting across the way, having a coffee with them or something, right? Just having that conversation. And and I think if we can get there, that people's prayer lives in general will massively grow. And I think that's why Christ started the disciples there. Our Father, who's in heaven. We don't remove anything from God, but we change how we understand that relationship, and it changes how we have conversations with God. So Martin Luther, in the small catechism, in the the, the introduction, Our Father in Heaven, um, he, he says that, what does this mean? It means that we should come to God as his beloved children. So now that relationship is shifted, where no longer do we have to, you know, before Jesus, in order to interact with God, because he is holy and because he is um, all-powerful and because he can't be tainted, um, by evil or by sin, by the world, then he made sure the, that the Jewish, uh, that, that the Jews knew it. He made sure that the Israelites knew that that was the case. And so they had to go through complex rituals. They had to slaughter animals um, and say, hey, this is what your sin does. It, it introduces death and suffering into the world. And so you're going to have to do death and suffering in order to, like, you had the scapegoat, right? Your death and suffering in order to come into my presence. So you had to be cleansed before you could come into the presence of God. And, uh, and then Jesus comes and he is our great high priest who has paved the way for us. So um, when he says, you pray like this, and he doesn't say, this is how I pray and this is not how you pray. He says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven. And, um, and so we, we do enter into um, the presence of, of God as his beloved children because of what Jesus uh, has done. And I actually think sometimes, and I um, maybe should tread a little bit lightly, but this is part of my like, you know, my angsty, you know, still kind of like, I'm 27, but sometimes I still, I still feel like a teenager because I have a little bit of angst uh, most of the time. But this is still kind of my angsty. We, when we recite the Lord's Prayer, we use the King James Version. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so I think that even in our worship services, we still, it's like we almost cause a barrier that even the most simple prayer, it's so simple, it's so short, and it's so like, there's nothing extravagant about it. We we make it extravagant um, by that. When And I like the Common English Bible translates it as, um, our Father in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. And I like that. Um, and so that's actually the version that we pray pray at home. And so we kind of strip strip out that language. And 
Uh, it, it has caused some confusion, especially sometimes on Sunday morning leading <laughs> leading the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes I, I'm, I slip up and mistake and go into the version that we pray at home, but you're right. I mean, it's we're supposed to come to God as his beloved children, and he loves us and he wants to hear from us. And even things as simple as our daily bread, which is like the most meager meal you can have, he's like, I want you to, I want you to ask me for that. I want you to recognize that you received that from me and I want to I want to love you and I want to bestow my blessings on you and I want you to feel like even even your daily bread you can ask of me and I want to I want you I want to give it to you so please ask please you know so it's almost an invitation um to ask to take care of our needs to ask to um for him to protect us as we enter into, um, as we recite it on Sunday morning, it's temptation. As other people translate it, it's a time of trial, the time of testing. Um, you know, I, I, he's, God's inviting us through Jesus into life with him. And he wants us to, even the most simple things, our daily bread, um, even just protecting us as we enter into hard times, he wants us to involve him in all those things. And that's ultimately what we're designed to be as humans. We're designed to be his children and we're designed to be participants in his life. And so prayer kind of seems, and especially how Jesus teaches the Lord's prayer, that's what it does for us. It helps us participate in God's life um, by even just these meager things. I want to transition a little bit and let's talk about, we, we touched on it at the beginning and I want to kind of bring it back and this will probably be um, kind of our closing closing thought. Um, but I want, to, I want to know, you talked a little bit about the rote prayers versus the extemporaneous prayers, um, kind of the ad, um, ad-lib prayers or um, a little bit more off the cuff. You know, you mentioned from the heart is kind of the language that you used. Can you talk to us um, about the value of rote prayers a little bit more, and maybe even not the Lord's Prayer, but just any rote prayers? What are the values of that? What are the challenges of that? And what are the values of extemporaneous prayers? And what are some of the challenges of extemporaneous prayer? Yeah, I grew up in a tradition that rote prayers in general were kind of scoffed at, and they felt false. And so I, even some of my verbiage now, I have to really be careful because, you know, anything you're raised, anything you're steeped in, if you're not thinking, it just bubbles back up. And so, you know, I, even when I use the word heartfelt before about extemporaneous prayers, I'm like, that's not even fair. Um, The truth is prayers spoken from the heart are heartfelt whether I'm, I'm reading a beautiful prayer from the past or I'm kind of making one up on the fly. I mean, it's the heart behind it that really matters. And so growing up in that tradition, I, I naturally valued people who could pray off the cuff, and I thought that was much better. Uh, but that wasn't actually a truism. I mean, it's just what I thought. It's what I was raised in. So I thought that people who just prayed prayers that were written down weren't actually pouring in effort into them. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I enjoy doing the prayer of the day. I enjoy doing other prayers that people from the past, it connects us to people from centuries ago or, or theologians that are far more superior than I am. And 
they have written beautiful things that allow me to connect with the majesty of God and connect with God as my father in a deeper way. And they speak in ways that sometimes I would never think to speak or or never think to address certain issues in my life. And so I think both have incredible value. It's just one of those things that if you if you remove yourself from one and start valuing the other, you miss out on the on the beauty of both. And so I think in my in my younger years, avoiding the rote prayers probably limited my spiritual walk. And now valuing both has actually allowed me to engage with God in a better way. But you know, very often it, it's a lot of how we're raised. It's a lot of what, you know, faith we were born into or how church was practiced in our specific denomination or specific Lutheran church where some pastors did it, some pastors didn't. Like I like I said before in the LBW, I wouldn't have to ever pray, you know, off the cuff. I I could always just read different ones. There's always something set up to to accomplish that goal. Uh, we've just chosen at our church to do more of that as we feel led by the Holy Spirit. We pray the words that come to our hearts and our minds. And so I think we have the best of both worlds. We don't need to denigrate either one. I think I think both are great. Both offer beauty, and I think we should step into both as much as we can. And it's a part of the history of the church. We see that. I think the only fear I have in regards to either either one is once again goes back to that idea of are we praying prayers because we think we have to pray certain prayers to be worthy enough to enter into the the throne room of God. And I think as long as we can banish that idea, understand that that God is our Father, that we can use whatever tools, whatever prayers uh, allow us to engage with our dad. And uh, so I think that's the that's the big the the big core thought of that is that use what works for you whether you need to write it down to pray, stay focused, whatever that might be, but never, never let those things get in the way of the truth that God is reaching down for you, wants to hold your hand, wants to talk to you, wants to hear about your day, wants to engage with you like a loving father would want to do. Just to kind of confirm that, uh, the, the pitfalls of either rote prayers or extemporaneous prayers are the same. And the pitfall is if you are just going through the motions. So, rote prayers can be amazing, right? The way that they uh, shape the language, it's theologically correct, theologically dense, and um, and it's it's an important thing for us to do to pray some rote prayers. To, and and we have a book of the Bible full of prayers, the Psalms, there, and they're all rote for us. Um, but just like, uh, just like. The Lord's Prayer, memorizing the Lord's Prayer, it's these rope prayers are useful um, as tools. They're useful to help us um, create a, a, a web and a matrix of language and ideas and images um, and emotions that we then own, that they become our own. And we can pray the prayers exactly how they're written. And if we pray them from our hearts, from within, then they're actually prayers. Then they are actually prayer. Um, and they're good. They're good to use. They're good um, to memorize. They're good to, to have. Um, the pitfall is when, and, and it's easy, uh, Pastor Ben um, and I and other pastors who are 
listening will we'll know that it's easy to just go through the motions sometimes, especially um, on Sunday mornings when you're thinking about a hundred things, you're thinking about the sermon, doing this, doing that, and it's easy just to hit that autopilot. And if you have a rote prayer, then you just read it and you don't think about it. Um, that's that's an easy thing to do, it's an, and it's an easy thing to do in in any believer's life to just. If you know wrote prayers, if you know psalms, if you know the Lord's Prayer, you just kind of go through the motions. But you can do that same thing with extemporaneous prayers. Because if you learn um, from your pastor or from your family how to pray, you start using the same kind of language that they do. You start using the same um, images that they use. You start using the same rhythms that they do as you pray. And you begin to kind of copy that style of prayer, the way that they pray, and it's, you can, and I've done it in the past, you can kind of just hit autopilot and you're just saying words and you're not actually like praying from the heart. You know, you're just filling space and you're just praying as um, uh, as you've been trained. And so that's exactly the same as praying a rote prayer with no, nothing from the heart, right? Um, so I think the pitfall is the same on both, right? If we're not really engaging um, our minds and our hearts with with the words that we're saying, um, with uh, with God um, as our Father, then it's not. Then you're not really praying. You're just saying words. Um, and so, really, when we talk about rote prayers or extemporaneous prayers, the the pitfalls the same place: hitting autopilot and moving on. Um, because even even churches and and leaders who uh, don't use rote prayers still have the same patterns and rhythms and words and images that they use to pray. And so all their prayers sound similar because they're using the same um, pool of images and words. Um, so really, it's just like, I I don't think one's better than the other. It just depends on how you engage with them. And, and I think the two um, playing off of each other and influencing each other is actually a benefit, and it's a good thing. As we close out our time in our podcast, we're, let's talk about some best practices. I'll give a few of the practices that I do um, in my prayer life. And then, Pastor Ben, why don't you um, share some of some of your things, and that'll close us out. Um, so I would say, uh, for me, the, the biggest thing that, the biggest influence in, in prayer has been the book of Psalms. And I've referenced it several times already this podcast, and um, and I'm all about, all about Scripture, all about getting into Scripture. Um so I'm a firm believer in um, reading the Psalms and rereading the Psalms and spending a lifetime uh, praying them. So one of my practices is um, praying five Psalms a day. And so that's something that I've been doing. Uh, started this semester with my coursework. Uh, one of our professors required that for, for the coursework. Um, that's been a fantastic practice. I've prayed um, a Psalm or two a day for a couple years now. Um, and or, or tried my best. I'm, I definitely don't bat a thousand on that one, um, or even close to a thousand. But but try my best. And so now uh, I'm doing the practice of five a day, and it takes a long time to pray them. Um, and especially when when I pray them, I I pray them playfully, so I don't uh, just buzz through each one. I take time and think about the the words and the phrases and um, some of those things. So I definitely am a, in a big am a big um, supporter of learning the Psalms, memorizing the Psalms, praying the Psalms. 
I think that should be something that every Christian should do. I think every Christian can benefit from that. Um, so taking that time to really just internalize them and over a lifetime of praying and repraying them, um, that'll be a benefit. So uh, I do that a little bit in the morning and try to do it a little bit in the evening too. Um, throughout the day, I'll open it up and, and pray um, one or two, and that's how I get through the five five a day, um, but just really letting those shape how how I pray. Um, and I, and I guess I do that because, um, I, uh, prayer isn't my natural posture. So I don't, um, naturally go to prayer. I really feel close to God when I'm learning, when I'm studying. And that's when I feel like God is speaking to me. And that's when I'm compelled to praise him and to thank him and be grateful. Um, and when I'm compelled to obedience, when I'm studying, um, and so the more that I study, the, the, I, the more I want to be obedient, the grateful, more grateful I am, the more I have the fruit of the Spirit in me. Um, and so to me, the prayer, the, the Psalms are a huge, huge tool uh, because I, wouldn't, I would not have a robust prayer life without them. Um, and other than the Psalms, I do a lot of uh, just daily kind of thinking, uh, thinking prayers, I, I call them. So just in my head, I'll be talking to God. Um, about whatever's going on. I'll talk to them about what I'm experiencing, you know, um, going into meetings or um, if I see somebody in the hallway at the church, I'll just say a quick prayer, Lord, um, is there anything I need to know before I, you know, greet this person or talk to this person, Lord? Um, so I'll say little prayers like that, just kind of have conversations with him, um, uh, ask him to uh, increase love, my love for um, people around me and for him. So I usually do little... Uh, thought prayers or flash prayers, whatever you want to call them, and uh, really dedicate myself to the Psalms. So that's how I pray. Um, those are some of my my two main practices in prayer. Uh, so Pastor Ben, what do you, what do, you do uh, for prayer? How do you, how do you shape your prayer life? Well, I went to a Christian school all the way through my senior in high school, and uh, we used to have this thing. I don't remember what they called them, but our, our Bible teachers always made us document our devotional time, our Bible reading, and our prayer time, and we had to time them. And so I had to turn in, I think it was like five a week, I had to turn in how long I'd prayed, how long I'd read my Bible, and all these things. And it was great for the task-oriented side of my personality, but it honestly was not great for my relational side in in correlation to God, uh, because it became a a task, a thing I did, and it just became uh, one more thing to mark off my list. And when I prayed in that way, I always prayed in silence. And what I learned, for me at least, later on in my life, is that I was in a much better space when I could pray out loud. And not pray out loud like I do on Sunday, where I have, you know, 300 people listening to me. Uh, That's a little bit different scenario. But just if I'm alone, if I'm walking, I, you know, I can talk out loud. Because I, I go back to this idea that it's a conversation with God. I'm literally having a conversation with God. Now, of course, if I'm surrounded by people, all throughout my life, that's a conversation with God too. That's not out loud because I don't want to look like a crazy person. But I have found that some of my best spaces and places for prayer is just in my car, driving to work. It takes me about 15 minutes to get to work, about 15 minutes to get back. And I'll just talk out loud. And I hope that most people staring at me assume I am talking on my cell phone or something like that. But uh, yeah, I'll do that. I'll just talk to God and we'll just have this, this conversation like I would with a friend. This is what's going on in my life. This is what's hard. This is what I'm hoping to accomplish. This is where I definitely need you to step up and help me get through this, whether it's emotionally, spiritually, 
or, or just, uh, you know, intellectually, whatever that might be. And, and that's how I have really engaged God well recently. But I also take those spaces throughout my day, you know, just, just remembering that, that God is always there. God is always with us. And that means that whether you're alone or, or with a group of people, you always have your, you know, your loving father with you. And so you can engage with them in the frustrations and the heartaches and the failures and, and all those things. And so that's been one area when I've, I have really felt like it's been a, it's a very positive spiritual practice for me. Now, everyone's a little bit different and we're all going to have to try these things out and see what works for us. But for me, that really, really works. Another challenge I've given myself when it comes to prayer is, we all know this, but when we engage with people who are hurting and they say, I could really use some prayer, or they tell us about what's going on in their lives, and then we say, I'll pray for you and just walk away. And and the unfortunate reality is, I would say 95% of the time, if not more, we just walk away. And there's no follow through because we either forget it or we don't think about it or it doesn't make our prayer list. And so what I'm really have been working on, especially probably the last five years of my life, is in that moment, just saying, well, let's pray. Let me pray for you right here. Now, of course, I don't want to put them in a situation where they're going to feel uncomfortable, so I wouldn't do this like in a movie theater or something like that. But, you know, the church venue is great to do that. Any venue where people aren't really paying much attention to you, where they're still going to feel comfortable, I like to pray for them right then. And, uh, you know, I might not always thrive in this area, but I, I'm really trying, is that when people are hurting and tell me anything, I say, can I pray for you? And then, of course, they'll say yes, and then I'll ask, can I pray for you right now? And whether it's on the phone or in person or whatever that might be. And I think that's just a really important practice because, one, you actually follow through, and two, they're there. They're there. They experience it. And, of course, God is always there. So... You know, that's for me, those are two th- areas in my life that I'm really continuing to work on. And for me, the, the out loud, having that conversation, kind of just realizing that God is always there. If I speak out loud, just like I'm speaking to a friend, that that's, uh, that's prayer, right? Our Father. Our Father, who is the most amazing being in the whole world, hallowed be his name. And then, and then we just go through our lives. We share with God what we want, our heartaches, our hurts, and all those things and just have that conversation. And it's an amazing, amazing thing that we have. (laughs) 